0: If you had to pick out the words which defined retail in 2020, it's likely survival would come up pretty quickly. When the pandemic first hit, the attentions of many brands with a significant brick and mortar presence sifted to keeping their balance sheet out of the red and keeping employee well-being intact rather than on expansion. And of a sizable proportion of the UK public out of full-time work, expanding a fashion brand that relies on people having disposable income might seem like a tall order. However, in the midst of the chaotic series of events that was 2020, many brands managed to ride the e-commerce wave to increase their overall sales. To discuss the challenges creating growth in a difficult environment, I'm delighted to say I'm joined by Ben Mercier, Consumer Director at Weirdfish. Thanks for coming on the podcast, Ben.
1: Yeah, Thank you, Will. Thank you for having me today.
0: So, just to kick things off, winding back to what seems like forever ago, the start of the pandemic. What advice would you give yourself and the rest of the team at Weirdfish?
1: Well, the, the first thing worth remembering is,
0: for me, we had two phases of the
1: pandemic. We had the very original phase back in in March, when the first announcement of the lockdown was done, and it was panic button for pretty much all retailers out there, including ourselves. And at that point, consumer confidence fell through the floor. Obviously, our employees and likewise the rest of the management. We're wondering what's going to happen. And then we had, once the coronavirus job retention scheme and the self-employed income support scheme were introduced, then what we saw is confidence building up again, and we had a very different take on things. So the most important part during that period has been, and would have been, uh, planning. And it's difficult to plan for those kind of events that in my lifetime I had not experienced, apart from the financial crash back in 2007. But I'd say planning was the most important. I think I would have been reassuring all our employees, first and foremost, to say everything was going to be OK and stick to the rules. But from a business point of view, I would have not cancelled the stock that we would have ordered back at the beginning of the year when we thought we were going to have a terrific year. And we went on panic too quickly. And unfortunately, for the second lockdown, when things started to be a lot stronger for us, actually, we had more demand that we could supply. So I'd say not panicking would have been the first way, but it's easy in hindsight. And the other one is reevaluate your customer proposition and think about how we might be affected by these major changes. So for us, for example, it would have been to accelerate our digital transformation, probably the year before, improve our delivery proposition with our partners, invest into new technologies, such as a customer data and experience platform. And finally, for me, in order to grab the demand out there that I was in the market, a very ambitious acquisition plan, which to some extent we have done at we're Fish, but I feel that at the end of 2020, we could have had more. So that would have been my advice to myself and my team about 12 months ago.
0: Exactly. I mean, people talk about the pandemic like it's this one this period, but there are actually so many different stages of the pandemic, each with their own uh, challenges and opportunities for retailers. So there's potential for a company to slip and fall at any one of these breakpoints so it's not just one single challenge that needs to be acted to. It's actually many different challenges at different times. So moving on, many of the drawbacks which the pandemic created for retailers are obvious. But could you talk about some of the opportunities which created for you and your team at Weirdfish?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, I don't know how many of your listeners are aware of Weirdfish, but we are a casual wear brand, a medium-sized business, and the opportunities created by The COVID lockdowns were actually huge for us because, as everyone has experienced, you stopped working uh, in the office, uh, you stopped commuting, and you started being at home and being a lot more casual. And we are in the casual wear business. Therefore, for us, it has been a booming demand for our products and for our brand, which is very authentic. I think some of the big benefits I, I was looking the other day at the Ofcom uh, um, survey, uh, of which adults spent over three and a half hours online daily during the pandemic. And we were the third largest country behind the US and Canada. And the biggest growth, actually, surprisingly, I would have thought would have come through the young people, but actually it wasn't. It was from 55 plus. And you know, our customer demographic, although it is quite appealing to, I would say, to the 35, 40 years old. It is very appealing to those 55 plus. So for us, it was a big benefit and a big opportunity that we just had to jump on. The big benefit for us, is, and I, not just for us, I look at retail in general, uh, has been for multi-channel retailers. You know, multi-channel retailers have been on the receiving end on some really, really challenging time in the last few years. You know, it's been well documented about the high street, big brands living the high street, etc. But actually, those stores play such a critical part in the digital transformation. And having those stores and those store customers and having that period actually demonstrated to us that they actually went from being store-only customers to multi-channel customers. And multi-channel customers are worth a lot more. And I think a lot of people have then realized why it was such a good idea to have stores. Now... Within reason, obviously, but with fish we 've got eighteen stores, which is a very manageable footprint, and we managed to take the best out of it and a lot of our new customers online, we actually store customers, and they shop more often. so for us, it was a really, really uh, positive piece. The other one, as I said, people in general spend more time online, so the one thing that as a brand, probably we't up doing So great beforehand was to create some engaging content. So we recruited a content editor, generating more engaging content out there, including for kids, because obviously (laughs) kids were off school. And I speak from experience. You have to keep them busy whilst you're working. And we revisited our full customer segmentation with the technology that we had at our disposal. And then finally, for me, the people impact on how we work. uh, We've become more efficient and more focused as a team, as a business. Uh, We've adapted really, really well. I'll give you an example. Um, When the first collection that I launched after the the lockdown we had to get our staff to model the collection at home uh, and we made a you know a real success of it and i think customers just related to some of the challenges we were facing but with a bit of creativity being agile and fun we managed to um, to get through it and people wise we've also repurposed some individuals roles into more digital so actually we retain everyone's capabilities but we just retrained some of our resources to become more digital focused, and I think that was a really win-win for everyone within our business.
0: Yeah. So Ben, you highlighted uh, some of the changes which you've seen within uh, certain demographics. I mean, um, you know, I think the main story of the pandemic is not so much the younger generation moving online because that's you know where they were already going, but the older generation, sort of the mm-hmm. over forties, the over fifties, going online, and sort of linking into my next question. Uh, what advice would you give to a brand who wanted to uh, find and, and speak to their ideal audience?
1: Well, for me and what I've seen that uh, we've done a lot in as a business and as a team was to do a lot more customer research. We've engaged a lot through surveys, um, small focus groups within our stores when they managed to reopen to really understand what their needs because they got some new needs. Uh, what's their pains? To really try and put in place a product, a service actually responds to their needs we define a customer strategy with the support of our customer data and experience platform we managed to have one-on-one conversation through personalization uh, on the website uh, which again improved massively the conversion and our nps calls and of course ricky ear uh, to the ground with changing customer needs to inspire more loyalty So I think it's probably doing the basics that maybe some people have forgotten in the last few months, which is talk to your customers. It doesn't matter whether you see them face to face. You always have tools available online to do so.
0: So um, going back to the question of consumer tastes, from what you've seen, how do you think the pandemic changed consumer tastes when it comes to fashion? I know you discussed uh, briefly sweatpants. And I always thought that was a really interesting point because um, who would have thought that there would be a pandemic and it would come and suddenly sweatpants become, I don't know, 500 or 600 times more important.
1: <laughs> I agree. Listen, it's clear that everyone's had a, a need for casual wear, which I'm delighted about to some extent. But I think if we look at the bigger picture, and maybe the next 12 months might not be a true reflection of how the market's going to normalise itself just yet. But I think people will start going back to, what I would call a uh, new normality, which is kind of working people have going to work in maybe formal wear, and then the other half of the week staying at home and continue to wanting to be comfortable. Who wants easygoing clothing? Which obviously with Fish as, as, as a brand, we are well-placed to accommodate. I always tell that our story. We Our stripe line, when I, I joined the business, we were, used to be where the weekend. Now I'd say that was very relevant back then, but Everything's been changed now. It's almost wear every day. So people are now going to be hungry for more social and casual activities. So I can still see the casual wear market growing without a shadow of a doubt in the years to come. But undoubtedly, I think there will be a a bit of a return to smart wear.
0: Exactly, and I'm really interested in seeing how it plays out. I mean, I think the trend that you highlighted is actually pretty interesting. I think at the moment, like people are almost dressing up for the weekend, which is uh, sort of the reverse of what they did for 30 or 40 years beforehand. Yeah, I, no, I
1: agree. It'll be interesting to see what occasion wear as, as a market does. You know, I'm, I'm looking forward to that uh, November, December, especially period to understand what customers are going to be wearing. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how the hospitality sector picks up. You know, I'd like to think not, but if there were going to be talks about another lockdown, is that going to play on people's mind or not from the consumer behaviour? So, yeah, it's definitely one to watch, but um, I still maintain that casual wear in general will still be big. And you still have that smarter casual wear range coming up, uh, which I don't think people will go fully on occasion where just yet. but who knows, I might be wrong on that one.
0: So could you talk about the part which technology played you know, company success and evolution over the past year?
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, it's it's been, I mean, it's huge. Clearly a business that did not invest in its technology prior to 2020 uh, would definitely have struggled last year. You know, e-commerce has always been critical. Very clearly now is essential. At Wayfish, our digital investment has been crucial in helping us to adapt in line with changing market conditions. So some of the example of things we've been doing is Uh, We've completely redone the website UX and redevelopment. We've been introducing, as I said earlier, a new customer data experience platform. We've been launching a YouTube channel, done a lot more video brand awareness across social media. And social media, obviously, has been booming. Uh, I was talking to Facebook the other day and it it has been absolutely booming, even amongst our demographic, the, the older generation. Which, by the way, will even at 40, I wouldn't trust that as an older generation. Um, But then upgraded stores, you know, allowing customers to place orders on our site. These are the technology we implemented, you know, um, digital screens inside the stores, end of the POS, uh, traditional POS, very much more efficient, reactive, and better for the environment. So for us, it's been a a real positive move. And just on e com, just to give you some stats, but, you know, we grew our business by 84% last year. You know, 105% new customers. That's how important acquisition has been to us. You know, we've retained 51% of our existing customers and 93% increase in reactivated. So you look at all the three customer segments and you'd say, "Wow, it's been amazing." And to cap it off, you know, we drove uh, from 4 million traffic in 2019 to over 7 million in 2020. I mean, that's just phenomenal by any stretch of imagination. It was a record-breaking year for us.
0: No, and that, that's good to hear because the sudden digital transformation was a struggle for many businesses. And to be honest, I think failures would be very understandable. But I've just been surprised by the amount of retailers I've spoken to over the past year who've just come out with these success stories. I mean, it really does show you that disaster can be the mother of innovation, really. I agree. And
1: if I may say, Will, um, I think medium-sized businesses like Weird have this ability to be agile and to work at such a pace and being very reactive that we've been very successful on the back of that? Would you have had the same results coming from a larger business? Maybe not so sure. So again, you know, we always think about the big businesses will be doing well and the smaller one will struggle. Well, I, I think the pandemic actually has demonstrated the opposite. So yeah, I, I think technology is absolutely crucial.
0: So I sort of perceive the fashion industry as being quite London-centric, or at least quite centred around the southeast. Could you talk about maybe some of the advantages which Weird Fist has gained from being based in and designed in the southwest, and how this maybe uh, puts you in a different position than some other businesses?
1: Very interesting question, Will. And obviously I'll give you my opinion. That's why I'm here. But um, I think people associate us as a brand with the coast. And a lot of our stores are based in staycation hotspots, for example, Scarborough Cornwall. Uh, in Wales. So I think we do have an advantage. We are a true British business dotted around the country. Uh, So being based outside of London has definitely helped our positioning as a more personable brand and a smaller business, which is agile and can adapt quickly to continually connect with our customers. And as I said earlier, our staycation connotation strengthens our value as a brand because we offer relaxed and feel good, fun, favourite products. That being said, I'm sure London-based businesses do have some advantages too. But I feel that, a non-London-centric as we are, I think, yeah, we've got that personable link to our customers.
0: Yeah, I believe there's over 65 million people in the UK. The vast majority of people in England don't live in London. The majority don't even live particularly near London. I think retailers sometimes neglect all of the possibilities that exist in the other regions, in the north and the south all of the different tastes, all of the particular sales avenues. And they don't really think of that England's actually quite a diverse and multifaceted place.
1: I agree, Will. And if I may say as well, more from a people point of view, you know, one of the challenges during the pandemic was to be able to go and see every single member of staff in our stores around around the UK. But what a rich experience when you get there, because every single area of England, or Wales or Scotland, has been different. And we've all responded. Locally, to the best way our customers would want to be treated, which again we can do that because we're a medium-sized business and we can adapt to pretty much every single situation.
0: So going forward, obviously you've done well over the pandemic, but what do you feel are the factors that are going to drive growth for Weirdfish over the coming year, and how is your company set to evolve that again for the challenges of the new normal?
1: So Weirdfish, we've got a very ambitious plan. You know, yes, the pandemic has given us a platform to thrive upon, but the reality is the planning and uh, what we've put in place uh, that has been the success with everyone involved. And for us, we're going to continue doing that. The first focus for us will be on product development uh, with a very strong focus on enhancing our sustainability credentials. We've made a lot of uh, ways in the sustainability world after introducing what we call the Only Ways Ethics program in 2019. So... We were the first company in the UK to replace plastic carriers with paper bags made from grass pulp, which uses actually less than 5% of water than traditional bags, which are made from wood pulp. We introduced more sustainable fabrics, swapping our standard cotton with organic cotton yarns, and that was in 2020, massive lips. We're now already at 60% of our range being organic, and our goal for 2022 will be to make it to 80%. We've widened the range of bamboo and tentals fabrics, which have been superbly received by our customers. Uh, and we use vegetable-based dyes in our new collections. We've done doing a lot of work on the product side and, again, trying to expand our categories and our offering. And then the second focus for us as a business is international. It's part of our other development, which, again, you know, it's, it's been challenging not just because of the pandemic, but obviously because of Brexit and other conditions. But once again, we've adapted and we believe we've got a strong platform. We've got strong results out there already. uh, And this will be definitely a a key, key focus for us.
0: So uh, just drawing things to a close, you've been in the retail industry for a while and you've had a chance to, to see it evolve. What factors do you think determine the success of a retailer in 2021 compared to, say, 10 years ago or in the early 2000s? Well,
1: to that question, Will, I would say, first of all, if I look at the market uh, in the early 2000s to where we are today, there was definitely a lot less competition, especially online. I'd say, I don't know if the market is at saturation from a brand's point of view, but the customers do surely have a lot of brands to choose from nowadays. And obviously, fast fashion has taken off like a rocket in the last few years, which wasn't the case back then. Now, it's now definitely more important than ever to have clarity on your brand positioning, I feel. And being clear on your USBs compared to competitors, for the for the reason I've said, you know, there's a lot of people out there. We we need to differentiate ourselves. For us, it's about being sustainable. It's about being great value for money. It's something that we're really proud of, and the, you know, this is what we're going to strive to be within within our industry.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, things have changed so much. You've talked about sustainability quite a lot, but I think it's important to just take a step back and realise how much consumer standards have changed i mean when i was growing up you would have thought nothing of a plastic straw but in certain places in the southeast it would be uh, to see why you're doing something so obviously unsustainable i think consumer standards have changed considerably and that's going to continue to happen over the next few years and decades so i definitely feel that brown staying on top of that is a very positive and a very wise thing at least in my opinion
1: I agree. We, we've done, a, as I say, a lot of research in the last 12 months. and uh, Sustainability, ethics, this has been very important topics for us as a business. And, you know, about 70 to 80% of our customers actually do say that they wouldn't shop with a brand unless they were ethical and, and striving for sustainability. Because, yes, we're not perfect, but we're definitely aiming to be and we make it leaps and bounds. But you're right. Those will be critical success factors going forward.
0: So thanks so much for the time today, Ben. I really appreciate anyone who makes the time for their busy schedules to come and, and talk to us in the podcast. So I hope you enjoy the rest of the day and best of luck with everything.
1: Thank you, Will. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me.